Welcome to Teach a Man to Grow with Tony and Roz. My friend Tony is taking on a challenge to feed himself for only a dollar a day during February. We've got on the line with us, we've got Andrew, who's from Second Bite. Andrew, did you want to tell us a little bit about who you are, who Second Bite is, and what you guys do? So my name's Andrew. I'm My position is I'm the warehouse coordinator at Second Bite in Sydney. We're fairly a large organization nationally, but we've actually got a very small warehouse in Sydney that I, I look after, and I also set up. Um, a lot of the runs that our drivers do. So I set them, I I find out what sort of things people are donating each week and make sure that our drivers can pick them up and find places to uh, home everything, I guess is the easiest way to describe my job. And so what would a typical day look like for you? So I'd usually get in at about seven um, and that's when our other drivers are also in and I make sure that they know what they're doing. Um, I see if there's any other last minute donations that we've gotten that I should be altering. But then also some days, if we're really lucky, we'll get some volunteers around to help uh, sort some of the produce that we've got in our cool room. Um, And that really helps to make sure that we've got really good food to send out with our drivers in the morning and then a lot of the afternoon is uh spent looking to find what sort of donations that we've got and trying to find who will take them and finding out how i can fit that into our runs for the week because we only actually have two vans in sydney so it gets a bit tight with what we can actually do with that wow so those two vans that i um i met um a few weeks ago they're the two vans that you used to run around sydney to pick up all the yeah uh, so uh, i can't remember which van you would have seen um when you were on your run we have a smallish van and a slightly larger van at the moment we're actually really lucky in that we've temporarily got a third van so we're able to do some extra pickups but also uh use it as an opportunity to put our other vans in for servicing um but yeah usually there's just two vans and we just have to hope that they're working okay every week and sometimes they're not (laughs) (laughs) so that's a pretty big job for just two vans to um to do because the day that i went out with uh, daniel uh yes there was something like about 15 locations that we were due to uh, visit on the day yeah there's usually like we have four different runs that we send our drivers out and two of those runs happen every day. Generally, there would be be either one or two runs where a driver is going to about 15 Coles locations and then kind of on their way around also dropping to an organization just before they come back to the warehouse. So there are a lot of stops. They're hopefully very quick stops, but it sometimes the runs can go a bit, a bit long. Um, it's also my job to try and make sure that doesn't happen too much, but it can be very difficult. Um, what are some of the organisations that you take donations from? So we get donations from many different places, but usually corporate donations. So um, Coles is one organisation that we do have a partnership with. So we 
collect from a lot of their stores. So we, we go to the back docks, we ask if they've got anything for us in prearranged so they know we're coming. And hopefully we've got maybe three or four crates of very good food that we can take somewhere else. But in addition to that, we also can do very large pickups at the Coles distribution center. So we could get two whole pallets in one pickup. Lately, we've been getting a lot of offers of milk that has got maybe about a week left on it, but because it's so short or maybe they've overordered, they just can't get a home for it in time. So we might be offered, well, this week we were offered four whole pallets of light milk, for example. And I, I think I, I am actually able to home all of that, but um, come Friday, I'll find out. Wow, that's pretty impressive. I think there have been a few times where I've been chatting with Tony and Tony, you've been saying how getting milk decently and cheaply has been one of the biggest challenges of what you're trying to do. Yes. All palate is a lot of milk in anyone's language. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And I could imagine that, it, that there's a seasonal element to the kinds of things you get donated. But what kinds of foodstuffs do you see a lot of? What kind of foodstuffs would you like to see more of? That's actually a good question. Um, so one thing we do tend to get a lot of is seasonal variation of the things we pick up from individual coal stores. So maybe one week we start getting a lot of mangoes from one place and that's kind of to get mangoes from every place for the next month or so and usually that's good for a little while but then it's hard to find places who want more mangoes after they've gotten like eight crates that they're already having trouble getting rid of yeah apart from that usually everything else that we get that's a large donation so some meat soups we can get that are already in containers uh milk as well that tends to be fairly consistent throughout the year um, so it's just produce that's usually the one that's variant. I did notice that you didn't uh, receive a lot of non-perishable food. Is is that is there a reason for that? Um, so we do have uh, our contract with Coles is that we do pick up just the fresh produce side. Part of that is because Second Bite's part of Second Bite's goal is to make sure that we can give food to a lot of people who need it while also making sure that it's, we provide a lot of healthy food. The, the issue is that a lot of food that could be rescued can often be snacky sort of things, um, but we need to make sure that people who are in need of food can also get healthy alternatives to make sure that um, they're at least able to have that basic need met in their lives as well. That makes good sense. That makes really good sense. And so when you're taking these donations, who are you giving them to? Who do they get redistributed to? So uh, we probably have many different places throughout the country. Um, I'm only really aware of the places in Sydney, um, but there are a couple of different food kitchens. Uh, one of the biggest places that we donate to is the Exodus Foundation, who have a soup kitchen in the Ashfield area. Another large organization is Our Big Kitchen, who are in the Bondi area. And also a lot of other places that kind of offer the food to people for who are in their community for pickup or making uh, vegetable boxes themselves to give out to people who, who are in need. So there are many different things that can happen with the food, but usually it comes down to two different things, whether it's giving food to people who can then use it in their homes or giving it to a kitchen that can cook the food on the premises and then offer cooked, prepared meals for people. 
And in terms of who it ends up with, I, I guess it's a little hard to answer because at least when you're giving to um, kitchens, for example, you're one step removed from the end beneficiaries. Yeah. Who are the kinds of people who might be using your services or using the services of the kitchens and the charity organisations? The kitchens are definitely um, homeless. It is one big demographic, but also just people without too much money who need some sort of food when they don't have too much of an income. Um, But you're right, it is hard for us to see who exactly is getting that. Generally, it's just people in groups who come together, have a non-for-profit sort of uh, organization themselves who register with us. So we find out what sort of things are happening with it, who, who it's going to, and then just decide to, to what extent we can help them and where we can fit them in. Uh, as mentioned earlier, there's a bit of a, an issue with capacity with only two vans running all of Sydney. But yeah, getting to a lot of different um, organizations is a bit difficult and but yeah I think in short lots of different people get the food but mostly people who are definitely in need not just um, it, the food isn't being sold to the public or anything like that mm, yeah it's ending up in the hands of people who genuinely whether it's on a temporary or permanent basis need to have some food given to them because it's just not affordable for them at that time yes yeah And I know that you mentioned just at the start that part of the Second Bite philosophy is to be providing healthy food um, instead of just sort of picking up prepackaged snack bars that could be distributed. You're actually picking up fresh fruit. We do have that sort of stuff occasionally. We just try and focus a lot on produce, I should clarify. <laughs> no, that makes sense. That makes absolute sense. Yeah. <laughs> but are there, what's the history of Second Bite and what's the overall philosophy? Well, one of the Second Bite's founders once went to uh, some markets late in the day, you know, after kind of everyone's finished selling and packing up and kind of noticed that all of this edible food was being thrown out. Um, so they started to try and um, arrange with some of the people there who were throwing food out to pick up some of the food and then try and get it to a local shelter to donate. And I'm not sure exactly how long ago that was. I think that was a bit over 10 years now. Um, and we started in Melbourne, and that's why we have a very large presence there. Uh, some figures that I've seen is that since then we've distributed over 20 million kilograms of food to over... 1,200 community food programs throughout Australia with, with just a really small start in a, in a market just looking for some way to rehome food to people who needed it. We kind of grew a lot from there. I don't know how many locations we have throughout the country, but we're in most capital cities and a few other places. We're just starting in Wollongong right now. Our main philosophy is to get food to people who need it, also eliminate waste, but also um, just make sure that there are healthy alternatives to people who do need food. That's fantastic. Those figures are, are great. Yeah, they, they seem very large. <laughs> it's hard to imagine 20 million kilograms. On the topic of stats, I noticed in your office that you had some uh, graphs um, on the whiteboard and there were pictures of vans and progress. Oh, yes. Uh, Can you explain to us uh, what some of that uh, was? Our Sydney manager occasionally uh, fills in a little, it's, it's a picture of a van and every now and then throughout the month it gets updated so we see how far through from 
and to write just how much we are from our goal. Um, our goal currently is to get 30,000 kilos of food in Sydney every month. Um, lately, we've been actually blowing through that pretty easily, getting close to 40 and 50 most months, um, depending on um, what sort of donations we've been getting. But yeah, so uh, on top of that, we've also got another graph that shows how well we're doing nationally. It's kind of an arbitrary number, but it's it's something to work towards. Um, and it's always good to see us beating previous months uh, pretty regularly. That's great. Have you seen changes in organisations' willingness to donate food to to Second Bite? Yes and no. So, so I, I'm not actually sure if there's much of a change in willingness, but more of a as soon as people find out about what sort of stuff that we do, they are immediately relieved that there is something that they can do um, because they, they probably see a lot of waste around. And on the one hand, it does cost money to get rid of food waste, but on the other, it just feels so much better to get it somewhere that can actually use it and know that it's not just being thrown out into landfill or something like that. I don't think there's an increase in willingness, but I feel that everyone seems to, everyone that I've spoken to seems to be really on board with the idea from the start. It's almost as though you're providing them with an opportunity that they wish had been there previously. Yeah, definitely. When people hear about us for the first time, not necessarily donors, but just, I don't know, explaining to second to people what Second Bite is for the first time, they're really happy that places like us exist. It's great to hear about us for the first time. You, you kind of see people just, really happy that we exist and that something is happening to the food waste situation and someone is doing something about it. Tony, is there anything else that you wanted to follow up with and ask about? The only other thing I'd like to find out is how else we can help Second Bite um, achieve uh, some of your goals. Um, it's actually a good question. So apart from direct money donations, which is the obvious one, we do, we do have... Some people coming to our warehouse in Botany, which is where they're located, to help sort every now and then. Um, and that is really helpful. Some weeks we really desperate for volunteers. Some, some weeks we're actually lucky and get a few more volunteers than we really need so we can give them some of the tasks that we don't get around to so often. Um, but apart from that, one thing that we do do is find, especially if a potential volunteer doesn't really live that close to Botany, we can often find another organization around that we do donate to where they can help, say, be there when we deliver, help them sort it out on the spot, that sort of thing. Um, so we're always happy to get um, potential volunteers contact us to find out how they can help. And hopefully you can find something that works for them and kind of also can help us and the other organizations that we're partnering with. Fantastic. Yep. So some real hands-on volunteer. Depends how dirty there. you want to be. <laughs> Sometimes it gets very dirty, but we have gloves. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Tony's promised one of his friends a, a picture of himself kind of up to the ankles from the head in, in a dumpster, dumpster diving. Um, oh, excellent. So I think if we can also kind of push him towards the dirtier end of volunteering, he'll be overjoyed as yeah. well his friend. <laughs> As part of this challenge, Tony is raising funds for Second Bite, an organisation that redistributes food to people in need. If you'd like to donate, go to the Teach a Man to Grow Facebook page and look for the link to Tony's Everyday Hero page.
Well, it was an interesting day for me to spend uh, with Daniel on the um, on the delivery and pickup run. So that, yeah, that was I, really I interesting. The one to... where you're going northwest, kind of, uh, I can't remember what those suburbs are called. Um, yes, the far out, northwest west is... um, yep. uh, delivery run. And that was really interesting, just being able to, to see what kind of foods the supermarkets uh, were donating uh, and, and yeah. how you go about um, collecting the food and, and just uh, dealing with store staff and, and um, their attitudes towards um, you know, donating food. And then at the end of the day, also seeing the the, the beneficiaries of the um, of all that food, and that was really good. Yeah, it's the best part of the run is usually dropping it off. <laughs> I also noticed that there was quite a lot of bread donations uh, as well. Yes. Um, to the point where the the driver had to decline the amount of bread that was uh, available to be picked up. Yeah, this this has been something that we've been having a bit of problem with for a while because we often get a lot of offers of bread, but then the places that we donate to either already have a lot of bread or just can't use the amounts that we're offering. Um, but thankfully, I've recently heard about another organization, which I can't remember the name of off the top of my head, but I can get back to you about it if you're interested. Um, and they seem to be interested in picking up uh, excess bread and homing that and specializing specifically in bread donations. Um, so that's something I'm about to look into once I've got a bit of time to see if we can send some of the bread that we're being offered but have to refuse to somewhere else who can actually use it and get it homed better. That's fantastic. And it's something I would never have thought of, that there's an organisation who's going to specialise in just one particular food. <laughs> but it is yes. one of the staples. So some stores, depending on what sort of um, company it is, they usually have a um, policy of how much bread they have at the end of the day. So you might, they, they might close at five o'clock or something, but they might have a policy in place, meaning that they have to have completely full shelves at that point. And they can't sell that bread the next day, so they then have to waste all of that. That sort of thing does feed into the problem of the excess waste. Um, but thankfully, that does mean that it becomes a bit, a little bit easier to get bread if you're in need of it. Do you know what the rules are around selling bread the next day? Is that they're literally legally not allowed to, or is it uh, more organisational? I feel it's thing? more of an organisational thing. Again, depending on the company, but it's like there's partly food safety issues you don't want to sell slightly old stuff but mostly a quality issue you want to make sure you have the best stuff on show so your pro products always look good so people are going to want to keep coming back because they know your products are good but that means that there's a little bit more waste than there would otherwise be so they're really just trying to meet our incredibly high standards yes <laughs> wow so that means literally that there are hundreds of loaves of bread that are thrown out every single day Oh, I'd say from a particular store. Um, yeah. yeah, overall yeah, there would definitely. be probably millions of uh, loaves thrown out, but just at a particular store, um, there would be yeah. hundreds every day. I, and I know that some stores, some particular companies, have policies in place or just kind of rough guidelines that they can particular store owner that they could do this sort of thing if they want to find homes for it. But I, I don't know how strictly adhered to those sort of things are and. It varies place to place heavily. So you are very much dependent on the individual store manager and their willingness to be involved in the program. Yeah, and willingness can be just whether they care or not, but usually kind of capacity. 
um, and having enough time to give workers to put it aside, contact people, that sort of thing. It's often a bit easier in terms of paid hours to just put some, something in the bin, um, even if that does spend a little bit more money in waste that would overall save a bit more money for the store. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that store manager wants that to happen. It's just they have restrictions put on themselves, so it can be difficult. Yes, that was very apparent on my uh, on my day out with Second Bite, just seeing how little uh, care or time that was available to the store staff to be able to put food aside for Second Bite to collect. Yeah, and, they would and just you would have—they're too busy. You would have seen that very heavily store to store as well. Um, and, and that's also partly training. It could be that um, there's a bit of staff turnover in some stores, so there, there are newer staff who don't know the rules yet, and it, it can be very complex, especially in a very large supermarket. Andrew, are there any final messages that you wanted to give about Second Bite and what you do? Just generally, if you're interested in what Second Bite do, get in touch, see if you can help. But also think about some ways that you can help reduce waste in your local area, if you can think of a way to do that. And also, if you have waste, see if there's something that you can actually do with it. Um, it's kind of a bit of a slight change in the way of thinking um, if you're used to throwing things out a bit easier. But it's really rewarding see that there is a problem and then actually find a way to address it even if it's just in a small way that's a good message i like that thanks andrew it's okay well thanks so good luck with it and tony good luck with the remaining couple of days are you finishing on the 29th i guess i am finishing up on the 29th um yeah it's been a uh it's been up and down uh throughout the, yep. the challenge i've had good days i've had bad days um but uh it's just been a really rewarding experience just to think differently about you know what food means to me, what food means to to other people, especially those who uh, don't have the opportunity to, to eat you know good wholesome food and have access yeah. to, um, regularly because we know that there are people out there who, who sleep rough, who eat rough, who who um, go without meals um, on a regular basis. So this has been really re rewarding. I've learned a lot myself throughout the process and. Um, just uh, spending that one day with Second Bite has um, has really changed my uh, my view on on what food uh, means to uh, different people within the community and how, as consumers, uh, we drive the different behaviours um, of the retailers to supply food and and store food and you know, all the food waste and everything else that's associated. So. It's fantastic what you guys do. Um, I'm I'm really proud to support you and um, yeah, keep up the good work. Teach a Man to Grow is supported by Create Storytime. Create Storytime is an iPhone and iPad app that allows you to create magical stories for kids. I will always remember Storytime with my granddad as he told us stories of pirates on the seven seas. It's a tradition I'll be continuing with my kids. Make Storytime magical with Create Storytime. Available in the App Store now.